Hello, everyone. I'm Lee Green, and welcome to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you a real, honest, and unfiltered interview with top business leaders in all walks of life. So we'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Stairway to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Lee Green, and today I will be talking to Ariel Kay, the founder and CEO of Parachute Home. And for those of you who don't know what Parachute Home is, Parachute is one of the fastest growing direct-to-consumer brands creating amazing bed and bath linens, along with some awesome home essentials for the modern home. You know, I met Ariel actually way back when she was first starting out and building her business, which is pretty awesome to be able to see her go from, you know, solo founder by herself trying to get something off the ground from scratch to building an all-star team, raising millions of dollars in venture funding, opening up stores from LA to New York. She has an awesome store in Venice Beach, by the way. It's on Rose Avenue. You have to go. There's many other stores as well. And basically, she created a home essentials brand that people know and adore. So today, Ariel and I are going to share with you some amazing insights on what it takes to build a strong consumer brand. We're also going to talk about how she transitioned from working in advertising with huge brands like American Express and Burger King and why fundraising is like a performance. You have to be so passionate about what you're doing that it's contagious in your meetings with these investors. They've been in meetings probably all day long. They hear a ton of pitches and they get really boring after a while, right? You have got to stand out from the crowd. And you've got to show them how passionate you are and that you are crazy enough to pull it off, right? To make your vision come alive and take over the world. You can't just play it cool in these meetings and expect them to cut a check. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you like what you hear, leave us a review or email me, stairwaytoceo at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time and joining us today on the show. My pleasure. (laughs) I'm really excited to chat with you to share your amazing story about how you built Parachute and really dive into some of those tough and challenging moments that all founders face. Most of us have heard and read about all of your amazing success, but no one ever really talks about all the shit that hits the fan along the way. And I remember when I first met you while I was working as an associate at Launchpad. And for those of you who don't know what Launchpad is, Launchpad is a top startup accelerator here in Southern California. And you were part of Launchpad's fall 2013 class. And I remember you were by yourself working endless hours, busy raising your first round. I was helping you pack some of your first sheets into boxes for customers. And I remember one day walking into the office and you were lying on that small couch and you were so overwhelmed and so exhausted. And I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) Breaking points. This startup stuff is no joke. And is she going to get through this? Like, how do you survive moments like that? So before we dive into how you peeled yourself off that, couch in and really created magic. I'd love to kind of start in the early days, your childhood, where you're from, what your parents did. Did you have any siblings, etc.? Sure. So I'm actually from LA. I grew up in Santa Monica and then I did leave and live in New York for many, many years. But coming back to start Parachute in LA and be part of the LA community really is actually something that I, I love and feel is very special to be able to give back and be part of this exciting 
community here where I grew up um, and have a store, you know, blocks away from my childhood home. Uh, My mom is an educator and travels all over the world doing lots of speaking engagements and working with teachers of all that teach at all different age groups. And uh, my dad's a doctor. I have one sister and she works in New York for the NYPD, actually. Is she older or younger? She's younger. Um, she's a super boss and someone that inspires me every day. She's definitely, you know, I think we both come from a family where somehow we managed to end up as overachievers and people that just like really like to work hard. <laughs> and, and you know, I think my parents both working for themselves and being, you know, entrepreneurs in their own way definitely helped show us that there was a way beyond climbing the corporate ladder and that, you know, it wasn't, didn't have to be about, you know, getting promoted and, and being in a, a typical nine to five job with, you know, a big, big company and to, in order to find success. So, right. yeah, we've, we've sort of both gone our own our own unique paths. Were you very entrepreneurial as a kid? Not really. I mean, I, I think what you know I find um, is a through line for me is this like constant just curiosity. I, I was always looking for something else. Um, I tried a lot of different things. I played a lot of different sports. I was obsessed with singing. I was obsessed with you know arts and craft. Like I mean, there was just like never. I was never focused on one thing, and and that then continued when I moved to New York and I went to NYU. Was in the school of um, individualized study at Gallatin, and I got to make my own major. And then I had a ton of internships. And, you know, one day I thought I'd work in fashion and the next day I wanted to be in the music business. And then I wanted to work in PR and marketing. And then I worked in advertising. So I just, you know, was constantly looking for ways to make an impact. I guess as a kid though, I I definitely was the one that like got the burden of doing the entire school project, you know, when it was a group project. So (laughs) maybe that's a little entrepreneurial. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I, I never really had this like conventional path um, it was sort of all over the place. Yeah. So what was your first few jobs? You said you worked in fashion, music. What were some of those? Yeah. I mean, I had a ton of different internships. And then after college, I worked in PR. Um, I worked at two different small agencies, or I guess not that small, but I worked at two boutique agencies and um, and I hated it, really hated it. And what did you um, about it? Uh, just everything. Basically, I I didn't like the people that were running the companies. Um, you know, there was a lot of. I remember one day um, having a boss tell me that I should never leave the office before nine p.m. because I didn't have a life outside of work and I didn't have kids to take care of or a dog to feed and. You know, just like there was a lack of value, I think, um, and so much turnover and such a toxic work environment. I learned a lot about what not to do as a leader. But, you know, I think there's lessons in everything that you do. And um, I ended up going back to grad school after those jobs because I just wasn't sure what was going to be next and then worked in advertising for many years, which I did love. And what did you do in advertising? Um, I was an account planner, which is the strategic side of creative. So a lot of consumer behavior research, um, both qual and quant, working closely with the creative teams to kind of be that consumer advocate, always in charge of making sure that we were you know, coming back to who our customer was, what they cared about, what was going to motivate them or inspire them um, to participate in whatever we were working on, whether it was a campaign or, you know, launching a new product. Um, But I worked for a lot of bigger brands through that experience. So I worked with American Express and Burger King and Comcast. And so, you know, it was gave me a lot of insight into how other organizations work. And it was fun. It was really, it was challenging and exciting. And I got to get my hands dirty. 
That's awesome. And so did you come up with the concept of parachute while you were working there or kind of what was that story? Um, yeah, I did. Um, I came up with the concept at the end of 2012. I had been, you know, sort of thinking about what was going to be next for me. I had definitely hit a wall and realized that I wanted to make more of an impact. I wanted to be more entrepreneurial. I saw a lot of friends that were joining early stage companies and just feeling so inspired by the work that they were doing and and their commitment to working relentlessly and that I guess was appealing. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I kind of gave myself to the end of the year to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I've always been obsessed with home and interior design. And so that kept coming back and coming up for me as a category that I thought it would be really fun to finally work in um, as a way of merging my interest in building brands and also the home. Um, and then there wasn't a company that really I wanted to work for. So um, that's when the wheels started turning and I started thinking about how I could build something within this category. And I started realizing how much opportunity and white space and you know room for improvement there was. And yeah, the idea for Parachute really started to formulate. And then by February of 2013, I had left and was on my way. So how did you know when to take the jump or when did you do it? I... Definitely did it in a, a prematurely. I mean, I think when you get so excited about an idea, it's easy to think, well, there was a few things. One, I was totally naive and thought that I would, you know, I could leave my job and within three months raise enough money to pay myself a salary and continue, you know, continue on my way and build a brand. And, you know, that was clearly not the case. Um, it became very obvious very quickly, but you know, I was, I was really ready for a change. I was sort of ready. I was ready to leave New York. And so, you know, it all kind of happened fast. Um, and I just decided to pull the plug. So you basically quit your job and moved across the country back home. Yeah, exactly. Um, all much more quickly than, yeah, I mean, I think also having lived in New York for almost 10 years, I needed like that big immediate change. Otherwise mm -hmm. I could have dragged out that, like, I'm thinking about moving for many, many months. And so, you know, it just all happened very fast and I took the plunge and, um, and I, I'm so glad I did. I mean, I moved back to LA and, you know, so much has changed in LA over the past five years. And I got to be part of the growing startup scene, um, in a way that, you know, it was really special and unique. New York was much farther along in terms of the amount of businesses and companies and stages of companies. So it's been cool to be a part of that growth here. And so Launchpad, I think was your first check. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I actually did get a small, two small, small checks prior to Launchpad. Um, but Launchpad was the first still small, but yeah. um, helpful um, check. But I, you know, I actually met one of the first trips back to LA before I officially moved. I had met with Sam who was running Launchpad at the time and, you know, had this deck and he was like, okay, well, usually we work with companies that have more than just a deck, you know? <laughs> so let's like keep this going and see what comes up next. And I was really persistent. I mean, I spent the next like eight months basically providing monthly updates to the team at Launchpad and harassing them <laughs> and hounding them and asking if I could stop by and just catch up, you know, over <laughs> and over again. Guy. Yeah. You know, I just happened to be the neighborhood. Right. Uh, yeah. And that I think definitely helped. Ultimately, they were like, oh gosh, this girl's never going to leave us <laughs> alone. <here> again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll let her in. Right. Um, but, you know, it was sort of an unusual business, I think, for them. Um, they didn't really bring in a lot of inventory-based companies and um, e-commerce. I feel like, you know, most of our peers in that class were more SaaS and tech focused. Right. So I was sort of in some ways the odd one out. Right. What were some of those, what was, what were in those updates 
to Sam? What were you doing to kind oh, of Oh, you know, like we hired someone to build our website. Cool, right? Like that's <laughs> exciting. Um, you know, I've we've decided on a factory to work with and, you know, I'm getting my first samples in. I'd love to bring them in to show you. You know, I'm working with an editor who happened to also be one of my close friends on a, on a press piece. You know, mm-hmm. we, I started a Facebook page. You know, I'm, you know, I, I sent out a survey to a random sample size, you know, through SurveyMonkey to see mm-hmm. if people were interested in this. I mean, literally anything. Yeah. Um, but that was something that I learned early on is that people like to connect the dots and mm-hmm. um, progress um, is really um, important to track. And so, you know, I took that feedback. You know, one of the things I remember um, hearing from then was, you know, do you have a like a a budget? Like, do you have any sort of model that you can show us in terms of what this looks like once you launch? And literally hired someone off of Craigslist to help build me a financial model. And <laughs> I mean, it was just like, kind of make, make it happen, it happen yeah. and fake it till you make it. You know, there was a lot of, <laughs> when I think back to some of the things that I did, it was just absolutely crazy. I feel like, like hiring sending, people off right. <laughs> I feel like sending updates is something that founders or, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs get really intimidated by. And mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know if this is enough progress. Oh my yeah. gosh, should I send this or not send this? But it really is just this consistency they're looking for. And the it's hustle also mm-hmm. and determination. You know, I think for me, it was a way to show that I wasn't giving up and that I was working hard every day and that I was showing up for myself and that I believed in this idea and that I wasn't going to let any, anyone's, you know, they saying, you know, get in my way. I, I was really focused on building and growing and I was going to make progress and I was going to check something off the to-do list every day. And people respond to that and they, you know, realize, I mean, at that stage, you're investing in the person so much more than the actual idea and so much more than what the business could be because it's, you know, so unknown. And I remember during the Launchpad days, I remember meeting with Luke for the first time through a friend of mine who was like, you should meet with this guy for coffee. He's interested in getting into the startup world. And I sat down with him and I was like, listen, you're probably not that excited about betting, but (laughs) there's this rock star founder and this company that's going to be amazing and you should just meet with her. And then fast forward, you guys meet, he became your first employee. And then today he's grown with you to become CMO. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. So what are some of the best lessons lessons learned or tips you can provide on hiring the right people? Well, for me, I, um, speaking of models, I'm not, uh, that's not my expertise. I, I didn't go to business school. I didn't learn how to build a financial model in any part of my career or education. So I knew that, you know, my real core competency was around branding and marketing and customer experience and the physical product. And like that was what I was going to be good at and be able to really own. But there's the operation side of the business and the financial operation side of the business that is also really, really important and is really important to get in order really early on. It's like not something you want to put off and and wait until all of a sudden a year in you've got to figure things out. So you know, Luke's background was in finance and he, you know, knew how to build models and he right. knew how to think about projections that, you know, had some sort of, you know, linear, I mean, I think we used a linear regression model in order to buy our first few rounds of inventory. I mean, he just, he had a complementary skill set to me and a can-do attitude, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and was willing to wear many hats. So, you know, he came in and originally was this director of operations title because that's, 
sort of just the flip side of everything that I was doing. Um, but he, you know, in the course of the past four and a half years has worn almost every hat within the organization. I mean, he was overseeing tech. He over, you know, saw the wireless internet being <laughs> set up. I mean, just like anything and everything. Um, and then really dove into marketing and that became his real passion. So, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, bringing on people that are willing to just go with the flow is important, but also have complementary skill sets, especially early on. So for me, that was, um, he was a great fit and, you know, is still working to this day. <laughs> That's awesome. What are um, some of the challenges you faced in building your team and culture? You know, I think for me early, early on, there was a lack of confidence in terms of the business. And so, you know, I just sort of assumed that it would be hard to find people that believed in the concept and really believed in the business. And now I see just how many people are so much more eager to be part of these companies and be part of that growth story and take a risk because the reward can be so amazing. And it's such, you know, and not just, you know, a financial reward, but like really just being part of something and, and having a real impact and learning so much. So, you know, I think I, um, I had this like own my own dilemma to get over of how to kind of let go some of that insecurity about the types of people that would be excited to work here. But for me, I mean, some of it comes back to my bad jobs right out of college. You know, I really learned about how to respect people. And, you know, some of that also should just come intuitively to you if you're a decent human. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, it was always about building a real collaborative environment and focusing on education and learning and um, and creating a place that was focused on a great brand. I think when you have a great brand that people are really inspired by, it becomes much easier to you know recruit people that want to be part of that brand. And so what do you do to help everybody bond and like stick together and build that culture? Do you have like an annual or event that you do or weekly um, things? Yeah, we try to, I mean, you know, monthly we have an all hands, which is less about bonding, but more just about transparency and really understanding what is happening with the business and how everyone's work is, you know, kind of leveling up to the company goals. Um, and it's a time for you know, different departments to share what they're working on. But quarterly, we try to do at least, um, or we do at least one, sometimes two activities or outings. Some of that is, you know, more based on service and giving back. Um, sometimes it's something more bonding, like going to an escape room and, um, you know, solving puzzles together, done leadership trainings together and things that are really are all about team building. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and we do a beach day every summer at the end of the summer. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I think we try to do to make sure that we're working hard, but we're also celebrating our success and having fun with each other and getting to know each other outside of the four walls of the office. But we also, you know, we do team workouts. Well, for those who want to join up stairs, you know, every other week or so. And so, you know, you can just get some cardio boxing in with your co-workers, <laughs> which is a nice way to kind of let the stress out and, yeah. and laugh um, a lot because it's inevitably always really funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we think about that a lot. It's like, how do you create an environment where people are having fun, working hard and continuing to develop? Um, in one of your interviews, you talked about how you learned to express more excitement and intensity mm -hmm. um, rather than just playing it cool in investor meetings. And I'd love to touch on this a little bit because I feel like it's so important and completely underrated. There really is this element of crazy that I've even experienced in fundraising as well that mm -hmm. is really important and overlooked. So I guess kind of on that topic, what are your thoughts on this and what do investors need to feel or see and what have you done to kind of bring out that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you are your own biggest advocate. And so you have to put all of that passion and all of that excitement and all that dedication and drive and excitement on the table so that 
it can be felt and experienced by others. And, you know, that's when people start going like, wow, this person's really got something special. And so for me, that's not my default. You know, that's not the way that I operate, you know, on a day to day. And I really had to learn how to you know, really turn it on and turn it up when I walked into these meetings and show exactly how I felt inside because, you know, just because I was acting more laid back or chill or not fired up, it didn't mean that I didn't believe in the business any less. Um, but there was a disconnect there. And so once I realized that it's it's much like a performance. I mean, it's the same like being on stage and, and getting a crowd riled up or or speaking in a way, you know, you you always think oh yeah, like I was smiling a lot. It's like on camera, you have to smile a lot, a lot right. for people to see it. And so it's a similar type of experience is really just, you need to go out there and you know realize that no one's fighting for you the way that you're fighting for yourself. And so in that room, you have this opportunity to impress and to show exactly what this business can be. And you're not going to do that by being passive and assuming that they're going to connect the dots and they're going to figure it out. It's tough. And it's really, it, it's very, you know, it takes a lot of energy to, to really do that. And so, you know, the days that I've had multiple of meetings, you know, back to back, I'm dead by the end of yeah. the day. I mean, it's so much exertion and like so much, you know, it's emotion and passion and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it really can be very tiring. So I also try to now limit, you know, three is kind of a max that I can really do and do well. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really all about just, you know, taking everything that you feel inside and all of that commitment that you have and making sure that it's big and and you're telling that story in a way that is going to be so profound that you can't miss it, you know, Mm -hmm. and you want to walk out of that room after the end of the meeting and have that person sitting there say, wow, like that person's got something inside of them. I don't want to make a mistake and not invest. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't miss this opportunity to be part of that story. And, you know, I think so much, I mean, you know, early, early on, you're definitely investing in the person, but that doesn't change. I mean, it changes in some ways as you have more data and as you have a business that can speak for itself in many ways, but you're still investing in the founder. You're still investing in that executive team and you're still, you know, you still have to believe that this person has something that no one else has and can build a business better than anyone else. And um, you recently raised $30 million in a Series C. How has the fundraising process changed for you? And looking back on past rounds, what's been the difference between the seed round and now Series A, B, C? Data, probably. I mean, the business just speaks for itself in a different way. Early on, you can talk in a lot of hypotheticals and you can tell a story that is more based on things that you hope happen versus what has happened. Now we're at a stage where we've got, you know, four years of selling experience. You know, we have multiple stores, we have a track record, you know, we've had highs and lows, you know, the business has, you know, gone through various iterations and growth. We've introduced new products and categories. So there's just a lot more meat to talk about, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, And so, you know, the business becomes less about or the conversation, while the big vision is still a part of it, it you really get very, you know, into the thick of the numbers and yeah. um, and various ways that you can slice and dice those numbers and what it all means. There's just a lot more cues about where we are now and what the future is going to look like. And investors at this stage also have really sophisticated ways of modeling out, you know, what success probabilities are going to look like based on what they're seeing. So spend a lot more time talking about the nuances of the business and the numbers. And, you know, it can be one type of number or one type of metric that can, you know, make or break like whether or not an investment can happen. Right. 
What are some of the biggest challenges you face during the fundraising process? Well, I mean, it's a lot of time and talking to a, a fair amount of people and really investing time with those people. And, you know, many times you're having five, six, seven, eight calls, meetings, and it might not end up going anywhere. So right. it's a lot of work. I don't know about challenges. I mean, I think like, you know, it's an interesting category. Some people are excited about the category. Some people aren't. I mean, it's like that with any type of business. Um, some people are going to be more interested in investing in fashion versus home. Some people are going to be more interested in investing in software. So, you know, it's a matter of kind of finding the right fit. But I don't know. I mean, it's everything that I do every day is a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like... <laughs> Never ends. Yeah. I mean, it's just you're always coming You're like up. immune to it now. You're like, what challenges? I have them yeah, all the time. Well, it's like also what keeps it fun. You know, it's nothing is easy easy. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. So, you know, it's all sort of a challenge. Um, but you know, it's, I think for any entrepreneur fundraising, it's so important. I think the experience is great because it really makes you focus on the business. You learn so much about your business in the process, but you're also away from the business because you're Mm -hmm. in meetings all the time and Mm -hmm. you're on the road. And so I think the biggest challenge is just maintaining that connection with the team and what's going on back at the office and being expected to continue to build a a really successful business while you are also (laughs) in meetings all day long and not at the office. So I think that's the biggest challenge um, for anyone probably. So how do you measure success? What are your metrics? There's a lot of different metrics. I mean, we're trying to build a real long lasting lifestyle brand. So, you know, we're focused on repeat rate and how often our customers are coming back. We're focused on, you know, how people are finding us and, you know, organic search growth. We look at our average order. We look at revenue. We look at um, returns. I mean, there's a lot of kind of standard metrics around e-commerce that we're tracking, but you know, we don't heavily discount. We don't, you know, kind of cut corners. There's not a lot of gimmicks or incentives. So our focus is really building a a true brand that's rather pure Mm -hmm. um, and maintaining that, you know, level of quality and consistency across every touch point. But, you know, we've got dashboards on dashboards and every team has dashboards and there's a lot of metrics and a lot of KPIs that we're checking. We're trying to track and, and checking off every week. And, you know, as an organization, we use the OKRs, the objectives and key results system to track company goals and department goals. And I think we'll track everything. Yeah. <laughs> what anything. metric or milestone are you most proud of? Opening stores has been really fun for me. Seeing the brand manifest itself in a physical way is just a joy. And um, being able to engage with customers in person and watching their response to the brand and the, and the products has been really, really fun. So you know, I think just becoming an omni-channel brand is something I mean that we're continued to be focused on, but that's been really, really fun for me. That's awesome. When did you feel most defeated and how did you get back on your feet? I mean, I feel moments of being defeated all the time. I mean, it doesn't really change. I mean, there's definitely setbacks and frustrating moments. And, you know, I think you have to be resilient and you have to, you have to get used to having things go wrong and taking longer than expected. It it doesn't really stop, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, there's moments where I'm like, is this going to fail tomorrow? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it just, there's moments that are really overwhelming you know, luckily they're often fleeting and then something else happens and you're like, whoa, no, that's what, everything's great. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just sort of a crazy roller coaster that you end up being on because in one minute you can feel like you're about to lose it and then have something else happen and be totally redeemed. And, you know, that's 60 seconds and you're just like high, low, high, low, high, low. Yeah. 
So how do you stay sane? <laughs> how do you stay motivated, patient, persistent, all of those things it takes to be a founder? I try to get a good night's sleep. Um, that's actually really important to me and important to the brand. And it's something that we try to, you know, not just preach, but also practice. You know, I work out almost every day, which is something that is important to me and just a great way for me to clear my head. And it's, you know, it's an ongoing kind of learning for myself as how to maintain balance and how to make sure that I'm you know, recharging and giving myself time to get off the grid and to be focused on myself so that I can perform better in the office. You never really figure it out. I don't think there's yeah. like a crack to code, but, um, yeah. or code to crack. <laughs> um, but you know, I think making time for yourself is, is critical and you have to prioritize your own well being and your own health. And otherwise you're going to fall apart. Yeah, definitely. What's something you wish you would have known before you started your business? That everything takes longer than expected. I think there's a lot of this urgency feeling, especially early on, that everything is a you know sprint. Mm-hmm. Some things are better suited as marathons and being persistent is really important, but things are going to be delayed. There's going to be all sorts of things that get in the way of, of that finish line. And um, for me, at least, I had to really come to terms with that. It wasn't easy. Also, like it's just crazy hard, but you know, you don't, you're naive and you don't know that because otherwise you wouldn't do it. So, right. Um, I'm grateful for my naivety and grateful for my ability to think that things were going to be a lot easier than they were because it got me into a place where I was crazy enough to take a risk. But, you know, I think when you have an idea that you really believe in, it's, it's totally worth following that passion. And, you know, very early on, I was, totally comfortable with failure. I mean, and you still have to be, you know, I, I went into this thinking, you know, if I can make it a year, that's great. Like, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But you know, you've got everything stacked against you being, being aware and being, you know, kind to yourself and not, I think it's just easy to get caught up in the, the idealized version of what this looks like. And it's Mm -hmm. always harder. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, with building a business, there's a lot of personal development that happens. Mm -hmm. What are some of the limiting beliefs that you've had to overcome to get to where you are today? I I mean, just like that you're not good enough to do your job. There's no like CEO school that you go through. So there's a lot of learning on the fly and a lot of development that you have to do. And, you know, I invest in my development and, and, you know, work with an executive coach. And there's a lot of things that you can do to really, you know, get yourself prepared for what's ahead and what's to come and for what you're going through in the moment. But I mean, I think there's just like your doubt and the doubt that's around you and, um, and comparing yourself to others and things like that, that can really get in the way. Yeah. So you're saying coaching helps with that. Are there books that you've read that you would recommend? Yeah. I think coaching has been hugely helpful. Also talking to other people, I would say more than even, I mean, books are great too, but for me, it's been more of having a network of people that have been through what I'm going through Mm -hmm. um, and are further along and and being able to reach out to mentors and advisors and other founders and, you know, really bounce ideas off the wall or like commiserate with one another about what's going wrong and just, you know, get a fresh perspective. And, you know, oftentimes it's like reminding yourself that you're not alone and you're not the only person that's ever gone through this that can just be so helpful. Right. So healing. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, especially as a sole founder, you know, I often feel like, you know, you can feel like you're on an island of one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, reminding yourself that there are a lot of other people that are figuring it out and have figured it out. So, um, you know, I found that especially in LA. And I mean, I can't really speak for anywhere else, but there's such a supportive community here and um, people are really, you know, in my experience, happy to help. And there's a reciprocal learning that happens when you help people and um, when you have those conversations and, you know, hear what other people are going through. So, you know, I found that it's been really 
um, beneficial on both sides, you know, helping others and having people help me. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, founder friends, I feel yeah, like for it's me, it's just been so important to hear their stories. Like you said, realize you're not alone. Yeah. It's all about perspective, you know? And so that when you're on the ground and feel like you have nowhere to go and mm-hmm. you realize that someone else has also been on the ground and has gotten up, you know, it's yeah. a lot easier to get yourself up. And yeah, I mean, it, it really makes all the difference. Yeah. If you could change anything about your entrepreneurial journey, what would you have done differently? You know, I don't know that I would actually change much. I think, you know, I've learned so much from all of these different steps of the process. I think also realizing it's not a race and that it's like part of the journey and that, you know, getting, you can't just get to the finish line. You have to go through all these things has made that much easier to, you know, stomach. I mean, there's certainly there's moments where I'm like, oh gosh, that's annoying that that happened. And it would have been nice if we could have just circumvented that challenge. Um, But I don't think I would really change anything. I mean, I've grown so much from the highs and the lows um, and really grow more from the lows and from the challenging moments than anything else. So I don't think I would really change much. Um, I'm really proud of the experience and um, the journey. And um, I'm really grateful for the people that have helped me along the way. And, you know, it's, it's still going. So maybe next month, if you ask me that, I'll have something to, to say, but I wouldn't really, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I think it's like, you can reinvent your story and you can, you know, try to say, what if that, what if this, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, make up all sorts of narratives about what could have been. And I just think it's better to focus on like what you can learn and how you can improve and how you can keep moving forward. Yeah. We talked about you're opening a bunch of new stores, which is amazing. I was out in the store looking at all of the new products. I mean, you have baby products now, you have robes, you have a ton of just amazing products. What's kind of next in the product line? More of those products. And then we are moving into other categories too, which we're not really talking about, but we want to be in every room in your home and we want to be um, a bigger part of your life. And so there will be more products and more categories and a lot to see coming forward. And what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? I say this a lot, but I think just not to sweat the small stuff. Um, I think it's just so easy to get in your own way and to become your biggest roadblock. And when you let go of, you let go of those little things and focus on big picture and focus just on moving forward, you'll get a lot further. Thank you so much. Of course. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. You can learn more about Parachute at www.parachutehome.com. If you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at stairwaytoceo at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on climbing.